In this week's episode of Confronting Racism, we look at the issue of land. Debating, or rather the debate around land, cannot be separated from what we have been discussing on Confronting Racism. In previous episodes, we unpacked the various policies of the apartheid regime, which have had and still have consequences for South Africa today. Land ownership remains an emotive issue that is connected to our history, and some have argued that it is central to how we can move forward in undoing the injustices of the the past to unpack and look at the question of land in South Africa. We're joined by uh, Ruth Hall, who is associate professor at the Institute for Poverty, Land and Agrarian Studies. Uh, she holds a BFL in um, politics from the University of Oxford, where she previously obtained um, her MPhil in developmental studies. Her doctoral work focused on the interests and discourses that influence the development of South Africa, South African land reform policy. Also joined by Dr. Sibonginko Simazibuko, uh, who is the current chair of the Department of uh, Developmental Studies at the University of South Africa and editor-in-chief of the uh, Africanus Journal of Developmental Studies. His research interests including civil society, developmental theory and land issues. Thank you very much to you both and welcome to Confronting Racism. Hello, Kuketsa. Thank you very much, Kuketsa. I think if we could start with um, this aspect of what has been dis- debated in South Africa for quite a while as to who owns what percentage of land we have seen through a study that was done by the Department of Rural Development and Land Reform uh, and a nine-year process that ended off with the releasing of an audit on land ownership in South Africa by the Department, uh, by the Minister of Rural Development and Land Reform, showing that 79% of land was and is privately owned and more than um, 17 million hectares uh, was state land. Further to that, are we able to, if I could start with you, uh, Professor Hall, are we able to dissect that and say, um, in terms of percentages, um, who owns which percentage in terms of our races in South Africa? Coquette, so it's a great question. And of course, a lot of people in South Africa are very, very concerned and uh, also, let's face it, angry about this issue. The truth is we don't have the answer because we did away with the Population Registration Act uh, many years ago. And so when people buy property, we don't know who it is who buys that property. But if we were to say, for instance, that most of the land that's transferring from white to black ownership in South Africa is happening through the land reform program, then we know that we've made extremely little headway. Uh, Less than 8% of uh, agricultural land in South Africa has been transferred into black ownership since 1994. And we know that some people who got land have have since then lost that land because they've got indebted uh, and that land has been sold onto the market. And so I think that it's fair to say that many South Africans are concerned about the issue that we don't see real change in the countryside. Uh, more than 20 years after democracy. We don't see a change in the demography of who owns property, who is accumulating wealth. And I think that um, it's important to say that this issue must be seen on two levels. One is there are concerns are about people wanting access to land to improve their livelihoods, to accumulate wealth. Uh, although it's not easy to accumulate wealth through, through earning land, let's face it. But there's another level, which is a question of justice and historical wrongs. 
And many black South Africans have said, and we know this from the surveys, that it is wrong that we have a situation in which most land is owned in South Africa by white South Africans and by big corporations, and there hasn't been the change on the ground. And the concern is not that we necessarily want it for our own use, but that it is wrong that this injustice that is rooted in our past continues to be perpetuated. One of the other debates that have arisen um, in looking at the issue of of land is the connection uh, between land and the dignity and the identity of those who have been dispossessed. Are you able to to unpack a bit on that? A people's whole life revolves around land and In the understanding of the African people, land is not just an economic matter. It is cultural, it is religious, it is everything. When you take land away from the people then, you're taking away their dignity, you're taking away their identity. And this is what South Africa did, colonial and secular colonial South Africa. But Prof. Hall, it's seemingly, and, and if we were to stay on, on that um, the course of the connection between the land and one's dignity and one's identity, what seems to happen, however, in discussing land is that the focus somehow rests on or stays with commercial land and agricultural land is is something being lost in the debate or is that where the debate should be i think that what we're dealing with uh, right now in south africa is a process where all of us know that something deeply profoundly problematic at the base of our history has not been resolved and the way in which we're trying to address it through land reform is through a very small marginal narrow approach which says if people can show, if black south africans can show that they can become commercial farmers then they can get a little leg up by government to become commercial farmers and to operate alongside white commercial farmers and i think that the big issue that we should be debating is does this in any way address the national grievance which is that south africa is founded on the theft of land mm. and that our entire economy has been based on that and i think that what has become increasingly apparent is that where we We have, for instance, had a land restitution program to restore land to communities who were forcibly dispossessed in the past. The returning of that land does not in any way make up for what was lost. So after 40, 50, 60 years of people having been forcibly removed from land, they have lost the opportunity to use that land, they have been, their communities have been ripped apart, they've been dispersed, they have not had access to adequate education, they have not had the opportunities for accumulation that white South Africans got. And returning of the land, in a sense, is a relic. It doesn't by itself restore uh, what was lost. And so I think that it's very fair to say that um, in South Africa now, we're talking about land in such different uh, terms that we can barely even have a decent conversation about it. And I think that in one way, uh, when we deal with race and racism in South Africa, many people talk about this as if it's merely a question of personal prejudice that people say nasty things about other people. Uh, Whereas actually, when we come to issues of land, we must realize that the issues are structural.
It's mm. about the structure of our economy and the very huge difficulties in changing those structures. And one issue I would like to raise in this debate is that it's important that we don't only look at racism in relation to land as if it's merely something that happened in the past. Mm. It's something that continues to be observed in the present. And I'd like to make two examples. Yes, I think that is very, very important, yes. Yeah. So let's talk about the fact that black South Africans who have access to land are mostly the approximately 19 million people who live in the ex-Bantu stands, in the so-called communal areas of South Africa, typically in overcrowded conditions with very poor infrastructure and services. And these are people whose land rights are not secure. And why are they not secure? Because colonial governments... Uh, colonial authorities, apartheid governments, did not recognize African people as having property rights. They saw them as merely resident on the land and subject to the control of, of state authorities. And we still live with that problem. We do not have a system that says, if I am a woman who happens to live in Lusikisiki, I have property rights. And my property rights should be respected and protected and secured in the same way that somebody who has private property in an urban residential area. We do not have that situation. And that is why on the 22nd of March, we saw that Siko Sipi Bazooka Khadebe in the Amadiba community on the Wild Coast was assassinated because of a long-standing conflict about whether or not a mining company from Australia could come and take over community land. Mm. And so I think that we see here the, the acting out of continued racism, which is that black people who do not have clear, secured rights in South Africa are not able to defend their property against those who would like to transact or invest in that area. And this is giving rise to enormous conflicts in rural areas. We see it also in areas affected by platinum mining in the northwest, where the Bachatla Bachafela community has had to fight to say, we are the owners of this land. Do not try to put a chief in charge of our land. We are the owners of this land, and we should be the ones who decide whether or not we transact with the platinum mining company. The 1994 process is a reformist approach. There's nothing radical about it. And the worst that it can do is that it's to the disadvantage of the dispossessed, because the whole process, it removed the land, the land issue from the political table and put it on a legal table that mm. the issue be addressed through courts. But which court will address a colonial situation when all courts suffer, as we speak now, from what we call coloniality? The issues of coloniality of power are present there, so they will always work to the disadvantage of the dispossessed, of the colonized. Now, we can't speak of the... EFF, for instance, they are not in government. Mm-hmm. They are not accountable to anything here. No, the people who are accountable here and the people who must address are those who are in government. Through the processes that we went through since the negotiations started in South Africa, this is what put us as a country in a difficult situation that we can't do things the way we would have loved to see them happening. I think that our government has failed. Our government has failed to, to make any substantial headway on the promise of land reform in South Africa. 
And we cannot put it down to the Constitution. We can't put it down to compromises made during uh, constitutional negotiations at CODESA. The ANC fought hard to have a property clause that allowed for expropriation of land in the public interest, uh, subject to payment of compensation that need not be at market level. And for 22 years, it has not used those powers. For 22 years, our government has chosen not to use those mm. powers to transform land relations. So, yes, we must say that our government chose to take a willing buyer, willing seller approach that it was not compelled to do under the constitutional uh, provisions and under the terms of our political transition. Instead, government has chosen to approach uh, this land issue on a very slow basis. It has uh, never allocated more than 1% of the national budget to it. At present, the budget for land reform for all components of land reform put together is 0.4% of the national budget. But I think that the issues go deeper. It's not only about expropriation. It's not only about the amount of budget. I think that we have a continued question of in what direction are we wanting to transform our countryside? How do we want land relations to change? And here I think there are a few issues to, to point out. One is when government redistributes land, the minister has now been very clear to say it will not transfer private ownership to black South Africans. Black South Africans will hold land under leasehold, and they will have to prove themselves for 30 years on leasehold before they can even think about becoming owners. And during that time, they have to use it and show that they are using that land, otherwise they will lose it. Now, white South Africans, who, because of our history, uh, own property under private title, do not have to show that. So we again have a sort of asymmetry between what, are the, what is the conditionality under which white and black South Africans hold property. I think that that's a problem. Similarly, in our communal areas where black South Africans are holding land, uh, the president has even said to the Amakosi, if people are not using land productively, you must take it away from them. And I think that that is a fundamental issue that we need to confront in South Africa. And this goes, this actually takes us to a very uncomfortable point, which is to question, are we perpetuating racism mm. in how people hold land? And I think that that is really profound because it affects our la process of land redistribution. It affects people in the communal areas. And I have to say, one of the often forgotten categories of people in this discussion are people who are black and who are poor and who live on land that is owned privately by white South Africans or by private companies on commercial farms. And we know that in the first 10 years of democracy, more people were forcibly evicted from farms and lost their land and livelihoods and home and often homes and often their livestock and other assets in the process than in the last 10 years of apartheid. So we must now be willing to think that, in fact, racial dispossession is not just a legacy of apartheid, it's a continued experience. The Ministry of Agriculture, Forestry and Fisheries is proposing new legislation to prohibit subdivision of farmland, hmm. uh, particularly in the high-value areas of the country. Now, if we can't subdivide farmland, we can't promote small farmers, right? So only wealthy people can access farmland because we're not going to have smaller farms. So, you know, on the one hand, we have an agriculture ministry saying we must keep large farms intact. On the other hand, we have a ministry of rural development and land reform saying we want to promote smallholder farmers. Well, do we actually know where we're going? 
I think that this is a big question, and it is deeply related to issues of race and identity and our history, but it also has to do with what kind of, what kind of future are we envisaging in our countryside, and I think that that is a question where the jury is still out, and South Africans need to debate it. I would like to suggest that anyone interested in this should go onto a website, which is www.landreformfutures.org. And it's a set of four possible scenarios for the future of land reform. It was developed over a year and a half by a group of people across all sectors of South African society to debate what are the different directions in which this might go. Are we going to see massive elite capture? Are we going to see mass land occupations as we saw in Zimbabwe? Mm. Are we going to see a different kind of resolution? Are we going to see a new kind of codessa on land that will resolve this issue? So I think that we should all be debating this very hard right now. These are unresolved issues. Uh, Dr. Mazubugo is the current chair of the Department of Developmental Studies at the University of South Africa. Uh, Ruth Hall is associate professor at the Institute for Poverty, Land and Agrarian, Agrarian Studies. Thank you very much uh, for uh, contributing to this discussion. Much appreciated.